0: Whether it's stiff or hard is irrelevant because it doesn't want to be moved. So you're taking this 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 boot and putting it out of its molded form, and it goes, whoa, whoa, whoa I want to go back to my molded form. So I just think it's time to start talking about ski boots with flex characteristics and not just, is it stiff or not?
1: Things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic. Some of them are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand?
0: This episode is brought to you by Winter Insight. From product reviews to resort reviews and all of your winter sport news. For brands, consumers, and retailers around the globe. It's your source for everything winter. Visit them at winterinsights.com.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? And welcome to this part two of our conversation with Mr. Glenn Blake. And in this episode, we go a bit deeper into the technical side of ski boots. Now, many of us speak about ski boots in the world of flexing, and whether things are stiff or soft, uh, but Glenn shares this, his view that we should talk about characteristics as opposed to just giving boot flexes a number. Uh, the other thing we talk about, which is much more important, is the charity that Glenn set up, uh, RG2, which is a charity in Nepal helping people uh, learn to ski and to teach skiing, and to get around the mountains safer uh, so it can better their lives and better the lives of the communities that they're working with. So hopefully you'll enjoy this part two of our conversation with Mr. Glenn Plake. Yeah, no, no, definitely. There's there's two, um, <laughs> two little an- anecdotes that, that kind of reflect on. One was that um, I was reading, we talked about the impact, that, you know, as an influencer, you, you, not influencer, sorry, that perhaps comes in, the influence you have on people, um, that there was a story where you, um you at a particular ski hill and, and somebody, I guess, bumped into you and I think you were tuning skis and they said, and I think obviously after an exchange, you turned around and, and um, as it was, they said, oh, we run a little shop in, I can't remember the name of the location. And he said, oh yes, I remember that shop. And you went running back into into, into Big Red, I think it was, you pulled out the brush You kind of said, oh, I still use your brush. And that, <laughs> you know, that made that person's day because I think for arguments sake, you you've been there five years ago or something like that, and you picked it up. Yeah, that was that was such a wonderful that's such a wonderful anecdote or uh, you know about the influence and the impact that we can have on people because that story not only is that a story that that family will share, but obviously others like myself will share to to you know share the sharing. But,
0: no, it's cool. I say we're always and it goes back to this. You you said it earlier about you know, sign an autograph. I, you know, I, I do think, you know, an autograph is, is proof that we've had an interaction to each other and I've never been able to figure out why someone would pay a bunch of money for like an autograph baseball or something where it's like, but well, you never met the guy. You never, yeah. you know, it's not like your grandfather got that autograph baseball. Okay. Now it has some sort of a meeting because of your grandfather or something, but you know, you just see it on the auction block of it. Like, that doesn't mean nothing. And, and, uh, yeah, that, that story you told, I, I'm a bit of a collector. I, 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 things mean a lot to me. I'm, I, I preserve stuff. I conserve stuff. I'm not a big consumer. Um, uh, you know, I blow through a lot of skis. I blow through a lot of ski equipment and stuff, but, um, you know, whatever, that's just part of the trade. But, uh, you know, no, those, those, that, that particular family, they gave us a gift and, and, uh, there's nothing better than doing that. I love doing that. There's nothing better when, an opportunity comes like that where something has something like that I'll be like you know yeah I met you so and so and I'll be like yep on this day and this that I got a bit of a an elephant's memory when it comes to that and I and I yeah I don't i don't just say I'll just say stuff I, I truly do mean it night most of the time when I when I talk to people especially down home tour stuff or I met you or Hey remember this day absolutely i remember that day so i'm really lucky with that i'm glad i'm happy i, I have that that depth of a memory for sure
1: that's wonderful um in the, on the down home Tour, obviously, uh one of you your uh i guess your your home away from home is 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 big red and uh, yeah and uh, the 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 uh i guess my little things i remember a few years ago i had the the, the pleasure and honor of going to to mammoth and um, I remember looking out the window one morning of the hotel. I, I can't remember the name of the hotel up on the hill with, with the launch. Uh, Mountain Inn. Mountain Inn. I remember looking out the window and uh, my roommate's kind of like, that's Clinton's truck out there. I'm like, no, what's <laughs> uh, was it wasn't there where I went to sleep. It was kind of like Santa. It wasn't there where I went to sleep. And then when I woke up, it was there. And uh, oh, how funny. Who must have pulled in that night? <laughs> and uh, I remember later on in the day, I think I remember seeing uh, uh, signing an autograph for some polls and you handed them to the concierge to to, to give to, I guess, a, a guest or a contact you yeah. had. But um, big red obviously is your fantastic truck, RV, yeah, home away from Vincent. home. It's an RV, you know, it's uh 'cause because what you what's the, your two favorite things there are what's a gasoline gravity. Um, but uh, talk, <laughs> through, talk us through Big Red. I mean, it's almost seen a, a, a your your one of your other loves.
0: It's where we live in the winter time in America, um, whether we're on the road or it's parked behind the Yodeler at Mammoth. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh that's where Big Red lives when we're when we're there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's a converted uh semi. Uh, it was um. A, an associate, uh, basically a professional motocrosser's uh, father built that. And at the time, I remember seeing it, going, "Oh my gosh, could you have some? It, wouldn't it be amazing to have something like that, uh, not only for down home tour, but gosh, you know, because of the Eastern Sierra, I could be anywhere on the Eastern Sierra and have everything I need with me, and and." uh but you know, being a skier, you'd never be able to have such a rig like that. No way, you know? And, uh, but yeah, guy named Heath Voss, his dad built that, built that truck. And they were from the, they were from up in Minnesota and they would travel down into the Southern States and race during the winter time. So it's all, it's all winterized. It's, it's all insulated. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely built for the, for the weather. And um, anyways, I remember seeing that thing going, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden I found that it was for sale and uh, it it had gone through kind of some, it had one kind of ill owner and we rescued it out of Illinois of all places and then got it back to Nevada, went through the whole thing and even further winterized it, put in hydronic heating, did some other things to it to make it even more, more weatherproof. And uh, and it's become our base for the last 14 years basically. Every winter, when we're in North America, um, wow. it's great. It's me and Kimberly, we've got we can go almost four weeks without even refer, you know, with like we've got enough holding power there to uh, to do a good, good almost a solid month without even recharging because it's based on a, on a commercial chassis. We we carry big big tanks i mean we carry over almost i can carry 500 gallons of water i usually only carry 300. so you know for you know obviously we're, we're being we're being uh kind of frugal about things but no it's 100 up and running and, and uh we've been i remember we were in we we're in maine one time and it was about minus 45 degrees celsius blowing 80 miles an hour you know raging health warnings and we pulled into a gas station and they didn't have any running water; they were completely shut down and and the key to big red in the wintertime is it's never cold in there ever you keep everything hot <laughs> <laughs> and because of the hydro heating it it uses the engine cooler to heat the whole motor it went on and on and on and uh and we and i had to, I was wearing shorts and it was minus forty something degrees, and I have a pair of shorts on. And the lady looked at me like I had gotten out of our, our we made her coffee and everything. Cause they had, had, we're like, we're like, you want some coffee? We'll make it some you, you know, do you need water? <laughs> Cause we, no, it's a, it's a really a fun time. It allows us to go wherever we want, whenever we want, let's say, um, from a, from a winter standpoint. And then also a summertime standpoint too. We, we love, it's funny. We spend all this time in Big Red in the wintertime. And then all of a sudden we'll actually go like on an RV trip in the summer. And we're like, now this is really cool. (laughs) In the summertime, you're like, you don't have to worry about anything, you know, freezing up. It's all nice and warm. You put like your patio furniture. We're in the winter. We don't do any of that stuff. We're pretty, pretty locked in. And But um, no, it's been a, we, we, I hate to say it, but many a times me and Kimberly, you know, get the truck all fired up and. And, uh, you know, like you say, pull into the parking lot there at Mammoth. And we kind of look at each other and it's like, it's good to be
1: home. (laughs) (laughs) Really,
0: really like, this is, this is, it is so good to be back in the truck. Gosh dang, I'm so happy to be back in the truck. (laughs) So we're going to rewrap it this year. We're in the the process of redesigning the wrap right now. Right now I got like the rodeo clown circus act going, but we're going to, we're going to do something cool. Uh, really well it's it pretty put on, it's,
1: yeah, I mean, everything.
0: but no we love it and and it's it's our yeah it's we it's what we live in in the winter time I carry all my skis in it in the back is a full ski room so all my skis are back there oh
1: that's <laughs> wicked. <laughs> um it's pretty funny I was gonna
0: say I'll let uh, um... and we use it it's not a party vehicle that is like Kimberly bakes bread in there Kimberly, newly oh, really? three three meals a day in there I mean we it's no it's not it's not like a a tour bus that is that is our scene if you nine times out of ten someone will be walking by and somebody will be like well some fresh cookies i just got fresh cookies <laughs> like what yeah yeah no it's full on it's 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 full on we love it um <laughs> i wish i could bring it to europe but i
1: can't <laughs> you'll have to get another one over here get another one over here Have like, uh
0: you see some bagabundos over here i see guys running bagabundos trucks over here but nah we'll stay over here. we ride the train a lot over here hang out in the apartment <laughs> that's our big red over here <laughs> fair enough the chamonix train <laughs>
1: yeah i am mean, um, i'm uh, um, uh obviously probably a plethora of questions and like that and i was just thinking about uh, um some of your uh your journey as well you talked about or we we touched on your uh psaa journey and uh I'll see you uh level three international certified instructor, also a mountain a uh, mountain guide as well in, in Europe. Um I'm close. I'm am an aspirant actually. Athlete,
0: pardon. Me. I got I got a few more tests to go. I ain't done with that project <laughs> yet, but I'm I'm working on it. COVID COVID knocked the wind out of my sails, but I'll I'll get I'll get focused here again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am curious with with regards to uh when you uh, have your, your, your teaching hat on, uh, or your examiner hat on, how do you uh how do you put your 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 guests or your customers your students at ease so you get the best out of them so they're not uh, you know so they're either underplay or overplay trying to show off how do you how do you put them at ease um, with the fact that though you're not a um, an actor or anything like that but you do a, have uh, a a ski celebrity um, you know background how do you how do you do that I hope I hope that because
0: i have this let's say persona or whatever my celebrity aspect status i hope that at that that actually eases them mm-hmm. that i just and 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 even and i if i feel it i'll even say it like you know there's nothing you're going to do that's going to impress me you know and i say that with <laughs> you know what i with, with, you know, with, with, with an com- opening like i am glad nothing's going to impress me and then it so let's see what you got. No, uh, no, but I always say that in the context that they know darn well that I am absolutely as jokingly as I can possibly be, and and I hope um, um, I hope that sets the let's say the standards. You know the the key what people don't understand in the in the world of 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 PSIA in the world of North American ski teaching is the people skills and is the guest experience and is the, the 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 psychology of the student and the and the instructor. And I think it's important to <clears throat> to lay that down through my own actions when I'm in an exam environment, when I'm getting ready to examine somebody that they realize that this is all intertwined together. And if we're, you know, if if we all understand each other, we all in, are, are aware of the things, sure, I've got, of course, there's, there is standards that I've got to, I've got to, got, I, I have to measure you against. There are standards where this isn't a <clears throat> touch and feel good. Yeah, that's great. You know, there are standards. And unfortunately, there are, there are consequences if you're below the standard. Um, but I hope that I set a environment that allows their, not only their personal skills, their but their people skills to shine and, and not be uh, intimidated and, or, um, you know, start tripping on their own feet, which is what most people do in an exam. And I, I'm all for telling them. In fact, I, I actually wanted to start doing some clinics uh, specifically on how to act in the exam environment, because a lot of people know what they want. They know it, they know the information. But for some reason, they can't act in the exam environment and they end up having a bad exam. So I'm all for telling people that, like, look, you know, let's just do this. And, and, uh, you know, this isn't a, you know, I, I, again, I am held by standards, but I'm going to make sure that this environment that we're in is going to allow you to exceed the standard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin this environment. I'm going to do everything I can to make this the best environment that you, for you, and you may be that type of a learner. That's a, you know, whatever you're, a kinet- now I'm getting into it. You know, you, maybe you're a kinetic teacher. Maybe you're a, <clears throat> a vocal teacher. I'm going to, I want to do everything I can to make sure that your, your, your environment it, within the exam is the best you can be uh, as an examiner. I think that's my responsibility is to give them the best opportunity that they have.
1: Do you do you, and, do it and at
0: the same exam. time, I I try to, you know, make it, um, make it real too. You know, I want them. To, I want them to be in their real. I want them to look back after a certification and be like, yeah, I got my certification from Glenn, and mm-hmm. and and I want maybe that, hopefully, those moments within those exams go go on down the line and and be a be a foundation for them somewhere. You know.
1: Do, do you enjoy the situation? Uh, do you, do you enjoy teaching and examining? Is that something you you still uh, get a kick out of?
0: Yeah, again, I've never like, I'm not necessarily a you know lineup take my class instructor, mm-hmm. but yeah, last last month I taught a an academy with a bunch of um, level three and level two instructors, mm-hmm. and we just kind of had some open conversations about technique and, and, and exploring techniques and, and why one thing might work, why one thing might not work and, and got into it and said, let no, let's get into this. You know, let's get into this within the framework of, of, of our skills concept. You know, let's talk, let, let's 100% open subject. Let's go and, and, um, and see if we can come up with some stuff. And so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy that. I've also, uh, you know, my instructor's Certification came kind of a, from a pretty unorthodox path anyways, or that my motivation to get it was a bit of unorthodox path. Um, so I've enjoyed working with some mountain guides that failed exams, for instance. They failed their ski exam and they got a hold of me and I was able to bring them up to speed and help them or <coughs> identify some weaknesses in their in their in their own technique that they needed to work upon and hopefully go back and have a revision and in fact pass their ski exam Mm. there's that aspect of it i've worked with other mount i've worked with mountain guides that don't have technical training in their background you know they grew up skiing they grew up mountaineering they grew up doing all these things but they didn't have the the technical training in their background i worked with this during COVID. i worked with all our ski patrol we we're all kind of just hanging out and we're kind of all in house. And I was like, Hey, let's do some ski. Cause at, at mammoth, we, we tease the ski instructors and in this, because the, we call all the ski instructors poodles and the ski patrol are like, we're always like teasing them, like, you know, getting after it. And, uh, um, good old fashioned rivalry. And, <laughs> and I, I said, Hey, let's, let's, let's hook up. Let's, you know, have you guys ever had any formal training in skiing? And a lot of the controllers were like, no, I've never had a couple of them are racers. So the yes, and it, it was great to have them in and say, look, there's the difference the way, you know, he skis and the way you ski, there's a, you, you see the, you know, there's a difference because you work with him every day, but here's why. And, and so that was really fun. So I'm constantly doing different, doing different forms of education. Um, if I actually got a request last week to go to Chicago next week, but I'm I'm not going to go. But otherwise, I'd be doing another clinic, you know, oh, wow. education, education wow. side of things. And then I enjoy exams. I I I'm not. I might do some. I think I'll do some this spring. I'll yeah. probably do some exams this spring. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. And it hurts. It hurts to fail somebody. Mm. It hurts. They. they you tell someone, uh oh, you you know you are below standard, and and they think it's on you, and it's not on me, and it's not on them. It's actually on their trainers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not about you, man. You go home, you tell your trainer to get his get his act together because you went to the exam and you failed.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were quite ready for it. Um, not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you um. Yep, yep. There's a quote once that I heard uh, that really made me uh, really made me chuckle. You talk about skiing, Some people should not ski more like Labradors, you go to Labradors, than uh, than Doberman Pinschers. Uh, Where did you find of that quote? Oh, well, I tell you what, I've done my homework on this. I'm mean, I like, uh, it's kind of like, what's over there? What's over there? And I think that you know that is such a great way of. Looking at skiing and perhaps ski teaching as well, but yeah, people should ski like golden Labrador. Yeah, no, know. absolutely. And I used to ski like a labrador, not a big Doberman.
0: So now, granted, obviously a lot of people argue like that. And if you're a ski racer, then you better put your Doberman hat on. But if, <laughs> um, I'm paraphrasing a a great ski, a great Japanese ski instructor, Yoshitomiura. And he said that we need to ski like fish and less like sharks. And he actually had a, his ski school was called the Mirror Dolphins, and said you hey, you must ski like a dolphin, not a shark. <laughs> and um, I just kind of did a North American paraphrase on it because not so many people ID with fish, but everybody ID's with dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, you have to ski like a Labrador, not a Doberman. <laughs> I, I firmly believe that. In fact, back to um, just a couple weeks ago, man, I just can't stand how everybody sticks their heads in. They rise their shoulders up, their arms come up. Everybody gets this stiff thing, and they they yeah, ski around out. like we're just sharks, and we just search and destroy, search and destroy, search and destroy, and. And I, I like to, I want to ski around like a labrador. I don't my head bouncing around. We're skiing around. Oh, shoulders are all low. Cool. Where's the ball? Throw the ball. Hurry up, throw the ball. Like, let's go. <laughs> you
1: know, come ball? on. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. um, so, uh, what are the, uh, uh, what are the, 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 see. one of your happiest places aside from perhaps working on, on, on trucks or being on the hill. I, as I understand, he's being in, in the wood shop at the Elan factory with the obviously, so with the smelling and wood and, and uh, getting your hands dirty. Oh. Um, so this year, though, with the Ripstick Tour, you've uh, won uh, the Fall Line Ski of the Year, which is brilliant. Um, but I was going to say, Yeah, that was, that was yeah. freaking cool, actually. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> they give you an opportunity to design a ski and then you pull it, pull one off, you know, you pull off a trick like that and it's, well received. It's terrifying, actually. <laughs> and then you get you get confirmation like that, and and also some other other uh, markets, you know, gave me some high regards too, and and it's it's very nice, it's really nice, actually.
1: So for those people who don't know, um, what makes that ski? Obviously, it's got your name on it. The one hundred four has your name on it. But uh, what makes yeah the ski? special and uh, you know and why as we look to the the balance of this season and into next year as well is uh what makes that ski so so good obviously, i, I don't think
0: i think it's so. i think it's different you know it's a different ski i um i had to put my foot down i said early on i said you know i, I set some pretty hard parameters early on when they asked me if i would design it i said yeah i'll design it but I, i'm not going to design it you know i'm going to design it to my parameters not let's say not yours um you know i don't want to look at some ski catalog and and see what we're missing in the line and then feel that spot that's not what this is going to be so uh, i i fought really hard on on the on the side cut and it doesn't it's a different ski it doesn't doesn't fit the category so much compared to some of the other skis if you look at the specifics of it if you look at the technical aspects of it it doesn't um it doesn't fit some of it and, I, and I, it's not that I did I did, I didn't I didn't make it like that on purpose but whenever I start a design project and I do this a lot with because I've been in, I've had the pleasure of designing five six different ski boots huh that's a big deal ski boots are a big deal and I never, ever set out to build another ski boot. I set out to build a new ski boot. And when we did, did the ski, I didn't want to have another ski. I already got skis. I wanted to make a new ski. And with that said, I wanted to make a new ski based upon what I feel is important. And so, yeah, we played with the side cut. We played with the flex Um, The ski is probably a lot softer than people would ever imagine. You know, they're going to say, oh, this thing's a noodle. It's like, well, yeah, it's a noodle. It's supposed to. One of the parameters that I said early on was said that there will never be one of these skis tested without a without a tech binding on it. There's no reason to put any sort of an alpine binding on the ski because this ski is not designed to ever have an alpine binding. It has to have a tech binding. So there's no reason to ever test it without a tech binding. And I had seen that in some of our other designs processes where the ski touring skis, you'd show up to a ski test and they got Alpine bindings on them. I'm like, what the hell is this? This, isn't, this, is, this whole test is irrelevant because nobody will ever ski that ski with that binding. So you're wasting all of our time. And so I, I, and I said that immediately. I said, at the same time. You know, I said this ski's not going to be tested with anybody with alpine ski boots on. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, not not it you show up with your dang 150 race flexes, you're not going to test the ski because the people that are going to use this ski, even if they have a a relatively aggressive touring boot, it's still it's not a one fifty flex race boot. It's a nice, you know, progressive flexing, whatever the heck it is. And and I made darn sure that those those fences were were in place before we even started the process, and 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 I think because of that, we ended up with a ski that that ultimately got designed for what it's to be used for, and that's ski touring. That's it's for the the type of thing we were talking about. I want to ski tour up a mountain and ski back down it. You know, would I use this ski to cross the Sierra? Yeah, I'm probably not. I might take the, I might make take the ripstick ninety, you know, or eighty-eight, or even you know, depending if it was springtime. You know, I might not be on the one hundred four. But in this modern world of ski touring and and uh, you know, kind of the up and down aspect of ski touring, I, I I'm really happy the way it came out and and uh, I they uh, yeah, it's been so far very well received and, and I'm happy about it. You know, oh, that's cool. Oof. And and it's light and, and we we did have some nice placebos. We had, you know, the current ripstick to, to ski against, although I didn't want it to be that aggressive. And then I had some older touring skis and I I just yeah, we made the ski work. We made the ski work in really mixed up conditions. I remember one test, for instance, I we were at Mammoth and I had a tester with me and I go, Okay, perfect. Here we go, you ready? He goes, yeah. I go, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and traverse all the way over to uh, underneath Paranoids. We're up on top of the gondola. And he's like, what? I'm like, I wanna traverse from here all the way to the other side of Paranoids. No turns, nothing. Just one solid traverse, drop drop 2000 vertical feet or eight, you know, that, whatever. And just traverse all the way across and yeah, and by the way, yes, we're going to go right over all that avalanche debris and all that crap there. Yeah, I want you to traverse right on through all of that because that's the reality of a ski touring ski. You know, we've come up through a coal. We've made our pass. Now we're going to go down into this other valley and we're going to, you know, we're going to contour around and try to get to the next coal and cut a high line through. And yeah, and and we were joked around like this. That was my joke. I was like, these are going to be the best skiing skis on one foot, frozen, wet, loose, avalanche debris that have ever been made. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was like our joke. It's like, did you always read the ski joke? Yeah, it's a really great ski. It really floats in pow. Um, Good hard edge contact on the hard pack. But uh, I always was like, how's it doing one foot avalanche balls? (laughs) (laughs) How's it (laughs) crossing creeks? How does it do... (laughs) <laughs> this world crossing creek. I would love to see that. Side stepping back at the creek bed, <laughs> <laughs> and all those stupid things that happen when you're really out ski touring.
1: Oh, i not really. Um, <laughs> so, well, hopefully people get a chance uh, to to get out on those as well. But you mentioned ski boots, and um, you know, obviously you're well known for your work with the land, but you also work with Roxa yeah. as well, which is perhaps isn't as yep. is well known. Uh, but it's a fantastic boot brand. And for those people who don't know about Rockset, perhaps you could let us in on what it is and perhaps the boots you ski as well. Sure. But I got to back
0: up real quick because you know, we talked about the wood room. And if you yeah, ever yeah. get a chance to go to the Elan factory, go to the wood room. Okay. It's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's all old school parquet floors and it's where all our cores are made. And it literally is just this beautiful woodworking room like grandpa's cabinet shop except (laughs) skis and they're in there doing their thing and the planers are working and it's just it's a really it's like my favorite i mean it's cool to see all the presses and it's cool to see all that stuff but when you get in that wood room you're like okay cool here's the heart and soul of this whole thing right here (laughs) and even though we're laying carbon fiber tubing and stuff like that inside the wood cores now though it's still that 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 wood core still is um it's still uh yeah. Especially in Elon. It's not like you're going to the yeah, it's there's not a it's not a foam injection machine in there. <laughs> it's, it's like full on planers and it's really cool. Um, there's the smell and, the and with man. that same thing, oh the smell is beautiful and like I said, those old parquet floors, it's really beautiful. And uh and then that, that same thing go now goes back into rocks. So, um it's a they're a ski boot manufacturer that have been around for a while, been making great product. And I have a I so I have a really weird life, huh? So my ski boot selection is strange. I've been in a, I've been in a, I was a, I started skiing Rock, uh, Rikely Flexons, when I was 14 years old. And I have never, Amber skied in another ski boot other than a three piece since really? Not one, never. That's no.. Crazy.
1: That is a good fact really...
0: so so for me, and I and the genealogy of, of I was with Reikley forever. There was a car wreck. the company was gone. Uh, there was some distributors that got together and they started the brand Dalbello. I had a very very close relationship with Sandro and Reno and the family and Heinz Herzog and everybody in the United States. We created that brand. Family made a decision to sell the brand. As what happens when brands get sold, all the people that built the brand are sold <laughs> or are got <gotten> rid of. <laughs> and, and and um, and I literally being in Oslo, and I I don't know if any of your readers know, but or our listeners know, but 90% of the ski boots are all built within about 10 miles of each other. And everybody knows everybody. I used to go into Reno's office all the time and listen to what they call Radio Scarpa. (laughs) And it's basically everybody calling everybody in the morning to hear the gossip. It was like, it's literally like, so-and-so did this. Oh, did you hear about this? So, and they literally did just all call back and forth and very Italian Radio Scarpa. Anyway, (laughs) and, um, Anyways, uh, Roxa is right there in and amongst them all, and and Roxa was a, is a company that a lot of brands called upon to do their work for them. You know, you had an overrun, you know, uh, somebody was working on something and, you know, you needed a, a rush batch or something, they would call Roxa because it was a very reliable assembly line, it was a very reliable uh, uh, injection line, and... And it was just rock tunes, kind of over on the side there. And when I, I literally, I left the Dabello, uh, factory and went right down the street and, and saw Giuseppe and Lorenzo and they knew exactly why I was walking in the door. And, <laughs> and I mean, the story is more complex than that. I actually, <laughs> I was actually at ISPO and I was supposed to get a ride from Reno because my car was at the other factory. And, he was busy and I ended up walking over to rocks and going, are you guys going to Oslo? And they we're like, yeah. I'm like you got any room? <laughs> and that was how we kind of got to know each other it was a three and a half hour drive from Munich. And I said, okay, cool. I'll see you in the morning. We're going to have a meeting, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, we started building, building what became the rocks of brand. They had a brand, but it was, it wasn't really ready for market and we got together and also some of the, a similar story, some of the American distribution, some of the um, ultimately uh, France came on board and we slowly but surely built this little company up and unlike uh, a lot of people, Oh, it's kind of like the Debello story. Like, no, it's not like the Debello story at all because the Debello's entered entered the, Entered the rental market. I was, I, they had been a company for several years before Clint said, Glenn, I need you to design a Steam boot. And, and I wanted it to be a three piece boot, by the way, because they were all rightly guys. And, uh, and it was the, um, uh, we entered the market with our top shelf boot. So the R3, the Roxa R3 entered the market who's this little company that's putting out who who are these people they rock in and they go straight to the top shelf we Roxa did we went straight to the top shelf we didn't build rental boots we didn't build this and that we didn't build price point boots we went straight with the r3 and it went straight to the top shelf and 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 it's it's the evolution of my fifth evolution of of ski boots since since the flex on to be honest and like i said i'm proud to say that i probably got more people in that type of a boot a three-piece cabrio shell than anybody skiing in the world to be honest because i don't know anybody's been in a boot this as long as i have and i've never not been in one never and i i wish i wish i had experience in a in an overlap but i don't and mm. i in one way i I, yeah it's kind of trippy actually so yeah when it wow. comes to three-piece shells i kind of know about them <laughs> I, i'd like to think i know about
1: them you yeah, probably, yeah, probably that's quite great and that's,
0: they that's, asked me to test an overlap boot i'm like uh for what i have no idea how an overlap <laughs> boot skis they make my feet hurt that's all i know
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what do you ha- when you have it like a three-piece boot then you know in terms of one of the one of the things that's curious about as well is obviously you do you, you, some extreme stuff, you can do some bomb saucers. What sort of, uh, the R3, what sort of flex is that? And so what sort of boot do you use when you go skiing? What sort of flex? Um, and like, what sort of flex do you kind of recommend for people who are wanting to get out and do stuff? Are you are you an advocate of a stiffer boot or of a, a more softer boot? I'm, in a, I'm an advocate of a
0: boot that has suspension components. <laughs> so um, because a three-piece boot can in fact move mechanically because the cuff is free to hinge forward, and because the there's a relationship to the cuff hinging forward, and in fact the tongue flexing forward for with various reasons. Um, I don't if I could educate the world in ski boots right now, and and you kind of said exactly what everybody else says is it stiff is it soft well that's like is it salty or not i mean how much salt is on it <laughs> i mean yeah it's salty okay um i i just really think we need to start speaking about the characteristics of the flex i don't want a stiff boot a stiff boot to me is like an oversprung bicycle it's going to pogo you all over the friggin' place because I, I have, let's say background in riding dirt bikes or tuning suspension and stuff. I want, I, I don't. And now, and I, and I, I think we can honestly start talking about this because everybody's got some sort of an experience with mountain bike and, or the button in their car that says sport or touring, or they know something's going on when they push that button. And before I don't think we could talk about that unless you were speaking to someone that had some sort of a mechanical background, but I, I think we need to start talking about the characteristics of the flex. So we need description. Yeah. We need, um, you know, dynamics of the flex. Like I say, unfortunately you just walk into these ski shops and then everyone's it's like 150, 130, 120, 100, uh, four buckles, Oh, you want the most expensive boot, four buckle, (laughs) one hundred and fifty? Like that's it. That's it's all it is is how they sell boots. It doesn't have anything to do with the boots and how they ski. And I just think that, um, and now we, I, I do believe we can truly start talking about this because everybody's got suspension somewhere in their life, whether it's a button on their car or whether it's the, you know, the tuning their mountain bike shocks. Uh, So if we were to say a boot that is stiff is the spring rate, well, then I don't want too stiff of a boot if I'm not, you know, I mean, if I'm wasting world cup downhill, then yeah, I probably want really, really stiff, heavy sprung boots. But if I was just out skiing and I'm not on two twenties, I'm not doing 80 miles an hour. I'm not on water injected courses. (laughs) I'm on a one 106 or 10 underfoot. I'm slightly center mounted. I got tips on both ends. Do I really need a boot that's sprung like Mm -hmm. Steve Nyman or any of the world cup racers Mm -hmm. (laughs) racing downhill? I don't, I just don't think we do. However, what if I was to say that I did like a boot that had a lot of rebound? Like once I did flex it, It wants to go back to where it was. It wants to put me back into my stance. So if we can talk about, like I say, a mountain bike shock where we have spring rate, we have compression, which is basically how far the shock moves, whether we want long shock or a short shock, depending on what you're doing. And then also just that rebound rate. Once I have in fact, compressed the shock, how fast is this thing coming back at me? Mm -hmm. And, Could a reactive boot or a boot with a lot of rebound feel like a stiff boot and or ski like a stiff boot, but not be a stiff boot and allow my ankle to move and have integration with my knee and then ultimately integration with my hip because my whole leg is moving in unison with each other. And I just, I just, and that's the way I think about ski boots. I don't, I I want a certain range of motion i want a certain amount of shock travel i want a certain amount of compression i don't want it to just fall over i don't want an, a, an unregulated hinge i want a regulated hinge i want a hinge with resistance and we and with three-piece dudes we believe it or not we actually do it in the back of the boot everybody thinks you put a stiffer tongue on a stiff on a three-piece boot and it's going to make the boot stiffer the reality is you're stiffen up the the rear of the boot because it has to do with closure as the cuff Mm -hmm. comes forward. But now I'm doing another thing. I'd have to show you. (laughs) Um, But what the tongue does do is it, I can use, we can use different materials and I like to use polyamide. I like to use nylon. Nylon is a very, very reactive material. A lot of ski boots were built with polyurethanes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why they were soft in the spring or they were, Cold and stiff as heck, you couldn't even get them off in the wintertime because polyurethane is is a very thermatically reactive plastic. Polymedes and or nylons are one, they're, normal, they're much more thermatically stable, but they're also very reactive. They hate to be bent. If you take a, a polyurethane ski boot and open it, you let go of it. It just kind of slowly goes back to where it was. Or you take a polyamide boot or a nylon boot, and you let's say flex, you know, the buckle strap or something, and let go of it. It snaps back into position. Whether it's stiff or hard is irrelevant because it doesn't want to be moved. So you're taking this 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 boot and putting it out of its molded form, and it goes, whoa! whoa, whoa I want to go back to my molded form. So I just think it's time to start talking about ski boots flex characteristics and not just is it stiff or not because i i just kind of get sick of hearing that and then at the same time if you're skiing and then we for whatever reason we base everything on world cup ski racing and everybody thinks that they got to have this world cup ski racing boot and yet i had the pleasure of having 11 U.S. ski team members come stay in my apartment one year after the world championships (laughs) Wow. It was, That's a big part first of all, whole, whole nother. No, it was bodies scattered all over the floor. It was so <laughs> funny. It was like, it was like military. It was so fun. We had the time of our lives. All of us, all of us had been traveling and skiing our whole lives. And we were, it was literally 11 people sleeping on the floor. <laughs> it was so fun. And, and every person either set boots from their sponsors or went to the ski shop and got some boots that they could ski in, or got into my cave and either skied on my boots or my wife's extra boots. Cause here's the greatest ski racers in the U and US team, anyways. And um and we're going ski. We're not going ski racing. And the oh, first cute. thing they wanted was like, You got any ski boots I can wear? <laughs> <laughs> they came right from the world championships and they're like, gosh, all I got on my race boots. Huh. And they're cause <laughs> there's such a big difference. And yet, you walk into a ski shop and it's like, well, I need race boots. Why? Well, cause I charge. You're like, you charge as hard as Steve Nyman on a world cup course. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. But that's uh, so cool. So anyways, um, yeah, next time. I, and then for me, ski boots, I just like, whenever I design a ski boot, I want to give a ski boot that people get to make a choice. Yeah. If you go into a ski boot, a ski shop, man, there's like, 40 pairs of boots, they all look exactly the same, they all I I don't know they, they probably all ski the same and it's like literally a price and a fit mm. maybe, I don't know and I just I want to put something different on the shelf and mm. I'm proud to say that to say with all my years behind Reikley and, and, and and then moving on with the three piece I just think if you make a decision to go with a three piece mm. shell mm. you're going to you, you're you either going to not like it, not, and that's fine. I, not, it's good, cool. Great. Like, I tell everybody, I'm like, you know, there's 911s and there's, and there's um, C500s. They're both pretty nice cars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're both pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> but they're definitely different. Yeah. You know? So... <laughs>
1: One of the things, one of the things I wanted to uh, uh, pick your brain about as well was, um, obviously, uh, in your your career, you've you, um, given back lots to uh, smaller you know, communities and everything like that. But you, you've started your own charity as well, the uh, RG Two Charity, um, where you're looking to do some ski teaching and ski instruction for, uh, I guess, families and people in, in Nepal and everything like that. I was wondering if you want to speak yeah. to that a little bit in terms of the work that you're doing. At, and how that's progressing because obviously there's been some challenges with with you know what's happened in the world and stuff like that but obviously sure you're well known for for uh you know a land rocks and all these other things but uh a charity as well i think is a wonderful uh legacy that you, you're you're building um or can you speak to that yeah it's
0: um it's very small mm-hmm. to be honest and <laughs> we finally got some wheels going and COVID hit but uh it came It came out of the the accident on Manaslu, where I have two very close friends. One of them was a, a mountain guide, and one of them was a ski instructor. And both Greg and Remy loved traveling the world, and they loved going out of their way to integrate with the nationals. Greg would have eaten the worst restaurant you'd ever imagine. And we were eating at truck stops and stuff, you know, and, and I'm all, well, dude, a little early in the trip, we at the truck stop, but all right, here we go.
1: <laughs> it's been hard on the um, system right now. But... Yeah. You know,
0: uh, Remy, you know, whenever we we're in Peru or something, you know, he'd hire some cowboys to spend the whole dang time with us, you know, just so that we could have that integration with the, with the nationals and, and, Learn something from them and maybe they learn something from us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when the after the man of selection, I was like, what can I do to not just create legacy, but I, don't know, I just felt like we should do something. And, and, and Remy was always a big, um, uh, influence on me pursuing my guide certification. And, Greg was a ski instructor. And so me and Greg loved talking about ski instruction, uh, the differences between American ski instruction and French ski instruction. We used to always have these big yawns. And uh so I heard uh I, I just thought that um we should try to do something. And so we started and so RG2 is Remy, Greg, and Clan. So R and then two G's. That's what it means and my my legal definition is to teach skiing and other potentially life saving skills to aspirant aspirant mountain guides in developing countries that's the legal definition and and that's uh and then around right when i was getting that going i heard about a project where Um, they were going to take a bunch of ski touring skis over to Nepal and, um, and do just that. I was like, but wait a minute, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to go there and do that because what happened when a lot of these countries get brought into the, uh, I am, uh, the, the, I just forgot the international, uh, association, a lot of these non skiing countries get their their granted membership into the UIMGA without skiing as a uh, uh, as, as within in their equivalents. They don't need to have skiing skills because they don't have skiing. They're mountain guides, they're alpine guides, rock guides, etc. And um, but as these countries and as these young guides are becoming certified to international standard they're also becoming enthusiasts themselves it's not like a typical porter where he's working on a high mountain because that's where the job is these guys are in fact climbing and living in the mountains because they it's their passion it's what they want to do it's not their work Yes, of course, it's part of their work, but it's no different than than any than a guide here in Chamonix or a guide in America, and and so anybody that spends time in the mountains at some point is going to probably go. Well, I sure would like to try skiing too. <laughs> that, that looks like that's pretty fun, you know. They sure move around pretty easy. Um, so they, I heard about this project going on, and I immediately jumped in and said, "I'm your ski instructor. I'm, let's let's do this." And so away we went and we did two sessions and I've had relatively good success. I, it's really cool. They've never been on skis ever in their lives. Um, they are, again, already in a guides program. So I don't have to teach them avalanches. I'm not going to go out and get nobody killed. All I'm trying to do is teach them how to use skis. It's there's no chair lifts, there's no rope toes, there's nothing. We're super old fashioned. I mean, we're at six thousand meters on some dang patch of snow mm-hmm. on near a peak, sidestepping so that we can do a freaking snow plow for twenty
1: five feet. I oh, say so you have flashbacks when you were a kid with the Austrian coaches making you Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. Hitting them in the back of the legs with my pole and everything. And
0: uh, <laughs> and but the whole the whole the the day start like the whole 10 days usually starts where we literally have a meeting in the room and they learn how to put ski boots on. They learn how to put ski bindings on. They learn how to put skins on. They learn because we don't have any lifts on. Huh? This is the first thing they do. The first three days we end up walking back down. Cause they can't ski down. They watch me ski, down, <laughs> but they can't ski. They don't have any skills. You know, there are we, we walk up to this flat spot and the kind of little, you know, little ski school zone. And it, it, and I take them, a, I got to take them to ski movies. Some of them have never actually even seen ski movie, a uh, ski. So we watch the movies, we we pass around ski magazines and we literally like indoctrinated them into what skiing is, even though they don't have it. And then by the end of the week or so, I got most of them kind of snow plowing around and going right and going left and 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 understanding traverse and they're very 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 good at ski touring by the time by the end of the week they're all walking up probably they'll they'll set it they can skin up any skin track in the alps no problem they'd have to walk back down but (laughs) but um but there again all i'm trying to do is teaching them ski skiing skills and they immediately they immediately realize that there's advent, you know, advantages to here. I mean, they're putting up a rope line or something on a, on on one of the big peaks. If the guy in front has a pair of skis on and is breaking track for everybody, oh my gosh, everybody's day has gotten a lot easier. So, um, and then at the end of the session, I give them all their skis and all their boots and a whole nother set. So that they can take a friend with them, because <laughs> one, it's like having one bicycle. It's like, well, can I ride your bike? <laughs> no, I'm riding. it. <laughs> so um, I give them um, uh, like they all get like double sets of equipment. It's pretty. They, I pretty go cool. way out of my way, and I try not to. I don't. It doesn't cost them anything because they got it. It's not part of their curriculum, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take it out of their work. You know, they could technically be working during those weeks too. Yeah. So. Um, everything was ramping right along, and then I'm gonna backtrack slightly. It's another reason why I wanted to become an examiner. Mm-hmm. I want to give one of them or two of them i I want to be able to give one of them a level one uh instructor's pin someday mm-hmm. cool. and I think cool. one of them is almost there if they 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 know the material they sit and they read our manuals like mm-hmm. like they can they they they'll out Paper test, any anybody I've ever ever examined right now, they know it so well <laughs> because <laughs> they sit. I take over all our textbooks and then we sit in the tents and we read them all and we talk all about skiing and what skiing is. And, and then, and then, um, so like I said, they'd pass the written exam right now, but, um, th- we got to do some application work. <laughs> and there's <laughs> it's even talk it's mileage, isn't it? Uh, it's mileage. They need to get the mileage in teaching here. Yeah. And there's the <laughs> thing, there's some talk about maybe bringing, a couple of them to mammoth, Mm -hmm. you know, for literally a couple of weeks where I could all of a sudden get some miles in Mm. or maybe bring them here to France or, but I I'd love to get them to mammoth in the springtime or something, you know, where we could really get some, a lot of work done. And, um, with that said, I'd like to, I've spoken to some friends of mine that are, that are Peruvian about doing a, doing a session down there. I've spoken to, um, some friends. I want to go back to Nepal again, of course. Um, I, I, it's just been, yeah, it's been just kind of, and again, it's, it's, it's quite small. Uh, we are nonprofit and when I get the wheels motion in motion again, I'm going to have some meetings probably in the next month or so about the next level. And when we go and we start another one, kind of get the, (laughs) literally got to get the band back together. It's been three years since we really talked to each other and, and got things going. Um, and then at the same time I want to um work um I spoke to the other day to a friend in the, in Morocco that does a lot of guiding in Morocco they're not part of the UIMGA, but so I might have to do I, I'm not married to any association mm-hmm. I just want to show young mountain enthusiasts you know the 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 skills of skiing so I uh, can I tell you UK you <laughs> can of course you go ahead the, the very 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 first day I put their skins on We walk up this scree, it's about 300 meters of scree that's covered with about six inches of snow, Mm -hmm. right? And we got our skins on it. We're just, just enough snow that we can skin up this scree. Walking up it would have been absolute hell, right? And one of the students goes, in 16 years of mountaineering, how come nobody's taught us how to ski? Really? I said, because you guys were brought into the world by British, British can <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. I, I, that's I, fine. No, now I got to correct myself. No, no that's British, fine. Oh my gosh. If if it wasn't for British skin, there wouldn't be European skin. I ain't stupid. If there wasn't for British skiing, the only, between British and Californians, You know, we can argue about the first ski racing, right? Oh, really? Very first. Okay. Okay. Was it? uh, It happened almost exactly at the same time in either in either Australia or California. We were having there was ski races being done in Australia and in California. We were doing the longboard races. Where I mean, you know, old Arnold Lund. I mean, come on, but but there wouldn't be modern skiing without without his influence on the world and, yeah. and arg and, and organizing ski races. And uh but I did have to throw that little mountaineering. No, that's fine. That's fine. Like... that's fine. We're all friends. We're
1: all friends. It's all good.
0: Um they cool. get it. They didn't get it, but I, I did.
1: I kinda of laughed at myself. Julio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I've got I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you here. Was, okay. just, um <laughs> Thank you for letting me go so long. I, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, I, whatever.
0: It. Um, hopefully he's on someone's on a really long drive that they can listen to this whole thing complete.
1: <laughs> if, if they do, by all means, yeah, let us know. Um, is Mono Skiing making a comeback?
0: I talked about it to Elon last uh, last month about building some molds. Oh
1: we can Okay, cool, <laughs> nice.
0: And at the same time, my friend Teeth from guns is sold out this year has no really? skis for sale wow. so I don't, you, I don't know what do you what do you do i don't know i i think i, I think did. the springtime is we have got everything we got snowboards we got twin tips. we got this we got that we got when that what why don't we have mono i mean what, what 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 did mono do that we it doesn't get to be part of the party
1: come on what the heck i, I, I tell you what i think uh obviously you're based over here in chamonix i think uh, need to chat with uh, Finley Mickle, who I think currently uh, is the, uh, or potentially the the world uh, monoski champion right now. So maybe I don't know. I think you guys need to have a have a bit of a bit of a chat about that one. I feel like there I, we go. I feel like I've dropped the gauntlet right on that one. And I don't think
0: um, I I think Alduflex is sold out too this year. So I mean, obviously there must be some demand, right? And I was jokingly, <laughs> I wasn't joking because I don't I whenever I ask these weird these questions. They think I'm joking and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, are we going to make a mono? <laughs> and, um, so yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe something would happen. I'd love it. Dude. I, I love it. I, I just got some new bi- mono bindings, but now I got to get a dang ski. Yeah, It's funny.
1: Um, so another quick fire question, boy, um, we know you have a great love for, um, I think you said once that, uh, to, um, you know, to become a good skier, you have to uh, have a good rest and skiing and food go, go, you know, hand in hand. Would you go without good coffee or would you go without good cheese? Which would you prefer not? Oh, man.
0: Thou shall not be decaffeinated, but um, I I think sustaining life, I'd probably be better off with cheese than coffee.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah. So uh, I've got another, <laughs> well, before we wrap it up, I've got uh, just a few other questions before I ask you uh, our final three. So okay. I know that um, uh, I know that uh, you've obviously got a bit of I um, uh, I wouldn't say an, an, an idol, perhaps isn't the 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 the, rep, the terminology, but having skied all over the world, if you could rip some turns with Honda Schneider anywhere, where would you go?
0: Oh. I'd go, I'd go to the Alberg. That's his place. I'd go yeah. to St. Christophe. Yeah. yeah, are you kidding me? That'd be amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what do, you, what do you think he would make of the latest Ripstick Tour?
0: I think he'd be happy with it. Yeah. I think I think it's designed to ski with your feet together a little more closer than others. <laughs> so, yeah, he'd be hit He'd slide right into that dang thing, and would be stoked with the new bindings because they wouldn't have to herringbone up everything.
1: <laughs> I'm not working.
0: So uh, I think he'd get on the new gear and go like heck. To be honest, I I think it's funny you ask that question because I I I okay. There's there's triple backflips and quadruple backflips and there's fourteen twenties and all these different things. Take away those, let's say, the spectacles that we've created, and I don't think there's a skier that's ever lived that couldn't ski with it, that couldn't go skiing with a skier of today or or tomorrow. I don't think we've progressed that much. <laughs> I think we're all just out sliding around.
1: <laughs> it's fascinating because you know, in uh, say, so I was, um, in doing some research, I went to watch some of the the old movies which you recommended, the old black and whites. That uh... was it, Doctor um, Doctor Funk. Doctor Funk had uh, Doctor Funk, yeah, 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 and uh, uh yeah. And uh, I was watching some of them, and what was fascinating about watching some of those films was, um, and the fact that, uh, you know, we perhaps take for granted that they had to get all the cameras up there, up on the hill somewhere, uh, that they kind of had one shot, uh, that that the lighting, you know, the lighting actually in a lot of these films was actually very good, but they had to wait for a certain very time. And you know uh, the skiers had to hike up or rope up whatever it is and ski down, and then if they didn't get the shot, well, they didn't get the shot, and then they had to move everything and, and it was big stuff had to move around and those films that you recommended were you, you, you reference were, were if you look at them through today's eyes, kind of oh, they're film, but if you look at them in the context of the day, fantastic oh, pieces of photography. yeah truly is um, yeah, I know it's quite good it's, um so uh to wrap up and the, the skiing too, again, the skiing
0: was a, phenomenal. I mean, just yeah. phenomenal skiing. I I say put put any of those guys on modern gear and they'd be the same hotshot skiers they were in that day. They wouldn't, it'd be this. They'd, 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 they'd fit the same role. I guarantee yeah. it.
1: <laughs> um, so to, uh, to to wrap up the podcast, we always ask everybody the same three questions. So we're going to ask you, ask you those as well. So if you had to take away a, a sentence or a phrase, that encapsulates the Glenn Plake brand, what would that be? Uh, uh,
0: Evolved. Evolving, I guess. (laughs) Evolved. Um, Definitely longevity would have to be in there. (laughs) And uh, loyalty. Loyalty not only to the companies that I've endorsed, but Let's say to the, some of the things I proclaim to, I guess, believe or live by. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, you got to say dedication or commitment, you know, and I was, is a, I signed sometimes I say, skiing's a life sentence, you know, and, and I say that jokingly, but yeah.
1: I like that. Yeah what do you no. what do you want your sporting legacy to be
0: uh isn't it already
1: <laughs> good point well named you know what there's, there's probably nobody else I've had on the podcast who can actually say that so fair enough we'll leave it there <laughs> Touché, James and Matt from I hope time. it is I just want to go skiing tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. All right. We're going to move no, on. We'll move on to the last. It's crazy. No, I,
0: I got it to say I it, it's crazy to live life with people coming up and saying, you may owe me a college education. <laughs> or you, you you owe me. Or at the same time, um, come here and meet Mr. Plake and get your autograph. To a six and seven year old kid, just like your, just like dad did, you know, and that, that's a trip. So, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. That, there I said There I Ooh. said it. <laughs> that's awesome. Good. Yeah. Uh, that's and finally, uh, as an individual, who do you think a legend is and why?
0: Oh, legend like the abominable snowman like something do that, that if you want something <laughs> that you believe in that doesn't exist
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> like like the easter bunny and santa and the abominable yeah. snowman they're, they're on a ski trip they're having a great time <laughs> yeah um
0: yeah no um, Jesus i no I mean now are <laughs> getting political but serious um uh legend huh Yeah, it's weird to think that, because a lot of people say, oh, you're a legend. I'm a legend. I'm like, I'm a link in the chain. I'm definitely not a spoke in the wheel, but I'm definitely a link in the chain. And Yeah. Yeah, they... I think it's somebody. Yeah, I think a legend. Somebody that made a dedication to something a long, long time ago and is still doing what they dedicated themselves to.
1: Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Wicked. Well, listen, Glenn. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. you. Appreciate uh, it greatly. It's been it's been super awesome, and um, I mean, again, congratulations on uh, winning Ski of the Year, which is which is brilliant, but. I'm so pleased that you've uh, been able to get out and skiing in Chamonix and having an awesome time. And, uh, again, I appreciate your story and sharing it with us because I think sometimes when we can get to know you and, and some of the characters, it kind of it adds a bit more uh, light and life and community to the sport that we love. So thank you so much for all that. I appreciate it. I've been, I've been, uh, the ski industry
0: has never known what to do with Glenn Flake. I've been an oddball. And uh the products that I use, the way I ski, the way I live. And uh and I enjoyed every bit of being the oddball and will continue to be. <laughs> the ski industry's never gonna know what to do with the gunplay.
1: <laughs> Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> so but there's a bunch of skiers know what to do. <laughs> we go follow them chips around. <laughs>
1: a one to, uh, to to get in, not so get in touch with you, but uh, I know you're you're big on Instagram. You now have a blue tick, which is great. Is that the yeah. best place people can follow and find out about you and your adventures?
0: Yeah, the Instagram thing um, is there. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. If you really need to get a hold of me, you don't have to ask too many people, and you'll end up with my with my personal information and and feel free to reach, reach out. Do your homework and get a hold of me. It's no big deal. <laughs> and then at the same time, uh yeah, we keep Instagram going and 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 try to keep it as loose and funny as possible. And at the same time, if um when we fire up another RG2, uh I'll I'll get the word out in case some people want to get involved in that. At the moment, I'd say, yeah, go ahead and and get a hold of us for that. Um, I don't have a website, I just kind of do it on our own. <clears throat> but um uh, I, I, I'm gonna get a little more serious about that. So if you're interested, stay stay in touch. And uh other than that, um
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's info at if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.